This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. At this point in my time with Raven, I've gotten used to the comfort of having friends to talk to while I'm running. And when I'm running by myself now, I miss having someone to talk to on the run. One of the runners in particular that I've enjoyed getting to know on the run is Backpacking Beaver. I know, pretty interesting name. Like Raven, he has a great love and knowledge of baseball. And the three of us have had some pretty deep conversations on the history of the game, how it's evolved through the years, and the potential rule changes that baseball could see in the future. As I got to know Backpack, I learned that his father grew up on South Beach and had known Raven since the beginning. I wanted to know more. So I talked with Backpack and his father, whose running name is Master Sergeant O.T. My life and and the Raven's life have a lot of similarities. They kind of knew of each other, even as kids, because they both grew up on the beach. Both went to the same schools, probably knew each other, even though we never really acknowledged it. I used to go to the beach and play frisbee just about every single day. And I would see him run by, but never really paid too much attention to him or, or knew who he was or why he was doing what he was doing. I went on to become a police officer with Miami Beach Police Department. I soon got to know him when I was assigned to the beach detail. My job at the time was to patrol the beach, the actual sand, on an ATV, and I would see him out there every day. And we uh, we struck up a conversation, and I always used to do a, a quick little job to run with him and to, to check with him and to make sure that he was doing well and that the streak was still going, which I knew it was. In, in later days, um, when we got cell phones and we had capability to record, I remember I, I recorded one of the... Um, the specials that they did on him, the one that says uh, this man has run over eight miles along Miami Beach and South Beach every single day since 1975. This man has run eight miles along Miami's South Beach every single day since January 1st, 1975. Every time he would come by, I would play that over the loudspeaker in my police car. And people would start looking around, and I would always be pointing at him and saying, that's him. I I knew about the Raven since I was a kid. Kind of always was aware of him, because I think he, you know, like if you saw Raven on a commercial or on an ESPN story, my dad would be like, oh yeah, I see that guy all the time. And my dad was a runner. He actually inspired me at one point to run. I, I tried imitating his streak, which lasted almost two years. And that included running every single day wherever I was. My dad would always tell me, oh, you got to go running with this guy. My respect for him is when I became a runner myself, when, when I was around 16, 17, and I'm, I was kind of the same way. You know, I couldn't miss a day running through sickness myself, running through bad weather, or hurricane myself. What Raven was doing was, was really unique, and there was no motive other, other than for him to run, you know. It was, it was one of the most purest like athletic 
you know, spectacles you could witness and even participate in. So it was pretty cool that, you know, anyone could just show up and do it. To this day, I'm still in awe of what he does and, and what he's done and for how long he's done it for. It was always my intention to, to run with the Raven. I, I had run with him at, to that point, but some of my close friends who also worked in the police department, one of them is the budget man. The other one is the coordinator, as Raven call him. I had run with the Raven, and that was something that was always on my bucket list. I always wanted to, to make sure that sometime before I passed that I got to, to run with the Raven. And many years later, which is just actually just not that long ago, he actually went down to South Beach and hooked up with the Raven. And he's now one of the one of his regular runners. He's uh, he's a backpacking beaver. And um, he's out there um, as often as he can get there, as often as his schedule allows. One day last year, I believe it was June 18th, that he told me he's going down to Miami Beach to run with the Raven. So um, that's what finally inspired me to to get up and go down there. And I did, and it was a great opportunity because not only did I get to run with the Raven, but I got to run with my son for the first time in my life, which was quite a treat. And I got something of satisfaction that I will never forget. It's, it's a, it was a huge accomplishment for me. We had a great time talking about old Miami Beach where we both grew up, talking baseball, and uh, just it was a and, and old friends. I think in doing the run, my dad kind of kind of had a new appreciation for him because if you see him from a distance or you talk to him from a distance, you know, he's, it's not the same person as when you're running next to him. You know, when you're running with him, it's, it's almost like you're an equal. He treats you like an equal. You know, I think my dad just kind of saw that he's, he's just as normal as, as everyone else. You know, he just has this thing that he has to run, which we're kind of blessed to, to witness. I know three years from now in 2025, the Raven will be celebrating 50 years of running on the beach. And my goal is to be there with the Raven, with my son, and with my grandson to celebrate and to run to be part of that great event. You know, it's really special to think how Raven has been able to impact people of different generations. To think that Backpacking Beaver, his father, and soon his grandson will have completed the run with Raven. Hearing this has encouraged me to want to bring my children. Father of four, I know my children have asked questions about the Raven since I started the project, and I'm motivated to try to bring my children to be a part of the run as well. One night when I was interviewing Raven, we had an unexpected visitor, a runner that goes by the name of Giggler, who first came to Miami Beach from Detroit to be a lifeguard. You know, I'm 16 years old, sitting in the library, talking to my friends. And we all talk about what you're going to do in the future, because, you know, you're in high school, you know. And I, and I told my friends, hey, look, I want to be a lifeguard. I want a full-time lifeguard. You know, you know, if I get that, I'll be happy. But one day I'm on the beach. Somebody walks up to me, and they go, you look like a Miami Beach lifeguard. Great, right, I'm going. I said, and I said, wow, that's cool because Miami Beach lifeguards were thought to be the top, I mean, of, the top of the line. I mean, these guys were like the real thing, right on the ocean. They had these groins out here. These yeah. guys were heroes, you know, before. Olympic swimmers. Yeah, yeah Olympic swimmers. Yeah. Oh, unreal. So the experience of being a Miami Beach lifeguard 
was like going to like a, a major university in England or America, or Princeton, or Oxford, or something like that. Because they taught you really about what rescuing was really all about. So you were a lifeguard for 30 years? Yeah, I worked for Miami Beach from, from 1982 to 2012. 30 years, and then I retired. Giggler must have seen a lot in those 30 years. It's crazy to think that the Raven started running when Giggler started working as a lifeguard, retired after a 30-year career, and Raven is still out there running on the sand. Good evening. I'm Wayne Ferris. Here in South Florida, we divide our seasons into four parts, tourists, summer, football, and hurricane. It's with the latter that, for the present, we're most concerned. If you look on my birthday, the day I was born, <laughs> I think there was Hurricane King. I, this is funny how I found out. Ted's Hideaway is a bar right down the street. Merkel plays pool there. I was in there about 10 or 15 years ago, and on a counter, there was a, a mark. It said October 1950. It said where the water came up. It was like a two-foot-high water came up, Hurricane King. So even though it hit Cuba, it, it did hit South Beach. And I saw that, and I, I asked somebody, and he says, yeah, it was on your birthday, man, you know, on, on your day I was born. So I got to think, I guess, one of the things about hurricanes is I wasn't here, but I, I was coming, and it was and it was coming for me. I guess it went up the coast. Maybe like every day, every, every day. I'm like, yes, even during the hurricane. As a hurricane was getting closer to Miami Beach, you know, people you know, left. I would be there surfing still the last, the last waves of whatever daylight was left. And I see this figure jogging on the beach with the wind blowing very hard already, sand blowing hard, like a sandstorm. I remember way, I can't uh, say what year this was. The pier was still there. They were taking it down. But we had this tropical storm coming through. And there was, there was surf, but it was uh, difficult. It was like 40, 50 mile an hour winds and just gnarly as the saying is. I'm going, I'm going out, and here comes the rave running by, and I just go, Ray, what are you doing? And he looks at me and he goes, what are you doing? He's like, I'm going for a surf. And he goes, well, I'm going for my run. When Hurricane Andrew was coming, the early 1990s, and I remember specifically, um, we were told to make sure that everybody was off the beach. And as we were out there telling people that they have to get off the beach because hurricane's coming, we happened to see the raven running down the beach. I remember telling my partner at the time, no, don't worry about him, he's okay, he knows what he's doing. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Miracle 
Raven's longtime girlfriend, has an interesting perspective on how his mind works. Raven has an extraordinary mind, and it is unlike the mind of anyone I've ever met. Good news, bad news. So to me, learning about his strengths and weaknesses and limitations, it's been a process. But one thing in particular, I mean, this, this is a big red flag. When uh, we were having one of those conversations about, you know, well, if this happens to me, will you still love me? You know, if I have no arms and legs, will you take care of me? If I'm dying, will you stay with me and maybe not run? And the answer was a very quick, no, I'm going to run. And no matter what, you can die alone, but I'm going to run. That, that, that took me aback a little bit. And I just thought, well, I'll just have to hang on long enough until the run is over. Understanding what running every day means, it's been a process. And uh, it's been interesting to observe it in others, not understanding what every day means. But for me, the first time we'd been together, he says two years, I don't think it was that long, but we were definitely together. I was calling it the love affair of the millennium. And I was itchy to, you know, just have a little road trip. And I proposed a trip to the West Coast. And I said, you know, you can get some little vials of sand, tie them to the top of your shoes, you know, symbolically. You're still running on the South Beach. Da, da, da. He wasn't having it. No, no, I have to be here every day. What if somebody shows up and I'm not here? So it's every day and that commitment to keeping his word is the thing. I feel like Raven finds comfort in just knowing he's a part of something bigger. And I almost wonder if no one was out there running with him, would it still be the same? Would it mean he'd still be running today? Whatever the case, I think the idea of what it means to him and runners vary. So there, there's comfort in the tides that you know every day, no matter what, there's gonna be a high tide, and a low tide, you know, just kind of like me out there on the beach every day, people know in the afternoon, Raven's gonna be running. So it's that comfort and uh, security you have every day. There's a high tide and a low tide and Raven running. And no matter what, hurricane or uh, a beautiful summer day. I mean, it's hard for people to understand, you know, actually what the streak means until you get out there and do it with them. You know, you run the eight miles, and it's not fast, it's not a race, it's a run on the sand in South Beach. It's just being a part of that streak every day, not not taking a day off, doing eight, not one mile the way some streak runners do, or two miles, eight miles on the sand. Muhammad Ali used to run two and a half miles, you know, maybe three. But to run eight miles every day, you know, a lot of times when you tell people that they don't believe you, but I've seen it firsthand. It's unbelievable. It's, uh, it's the epitome of consistency. Some people can't believe you're still running, but it's uh, a lot of people's connection to South Beach, to the beach. They might have gone to the beach like in 1985 and they come back now and they see him running. And they, a lot of people are, they can't believe that he's still running. I, I've been 5.3 times around the earth. Yeah, chocolate chip figured it out. And I got it on my refrigerator. So each time... You know, I, I just, 
I think I think when I get close to 149,000, uh, if I make it, then it's six times around. As I always would say, it boggles my mind to be to think I've run around the earth all these times, and yet I never left South Beach of all things. It's all been like right here, because most people are running in different places. If you look up the verb streak in the Webster's Dictionary, it says to move swiftly, to have a streak as of winning or outstanding performances, or to run naked through a public place. Now, two of these describe Raven. Well, the last one is only half true if you count running shirtless in a public place. All to say, the streak is very real to Raven. And there's an organization that keeps track of runners on streaks. I got to give you uh, Mark Washburn's number. He's the head of the streak. He came to run with me last year. He's like the the head guy. He's got a 31 year streak going. Let's go into just understanding how the organization got started. Like I know, you know, there's uh, other players that were involved with Hancock and Chomsky. Like maybe you can kind of just give me the understanding of how it came together and then what it is today with the mission. Yeah. Well, you were right to mention George Hancock. Uh, he worked for a newsletter called Runner's Gazette. Somebody uh, who was a streaker said, you know, talked about having a long streak. And he wanted to know how many other people had streaks out there. He came up with the first list, which he published in the newsletter that he wrote for Runner's Gazette in uh, December of 1994. Then in 1999, David Balecki had a website, Ultra Marathon World. And his website really was about ultra runners. But since we are considered a little out there, he decided this would be a good place to post our list. So, And then in 2000, John Strumsky contacted George Hancock. He organized the United States Running Streak Association, got incorporated in August of 2000. And they had their first newsletter out in April of 2001. From there, it grew. I got picked to be the new president. We have 4,768 streaks uh, from streak runners from around the world. Today, Raven is number six on the streak list. I spoke with two other streak runners, Wicked Sound and Strikeout, who both helped me gain perspective on what the streak means and what's unique about Raven's streak. The difference between a streak runner like myself and someone like Raven is that I often will do just the bare minimum one mile. I run in many different places at many different times, right? I mean, I'll run on a treadmill if it's really cold out or something. Uh, Whereas Raven has only run basically in the same spot for 46 years. And it's the same mileage, you know, eight miles a day, every single day for 46 years on the same plot of land. I mean, it, I mean, there's no one that even comes close to anything like that. So, I mean, if you're if you're talking about the similarities between him and I, we both run every single day, right? We never miss a day, no matter what. If we're sick, we run. If we're not feeling well, if it's cold, if it's hot, uh, we get an injury, we still run, right? And that's and that's a big deal after you've accumulated enough years of doing that. There is no streak that even comes close to it. Now, there are some streak runners that have ran longer. I think the number one guy on the list has ran like 52 years. And I think his average daily mileage is even higher. I think it's it's more like 10 miles a day. You know, John Sutherland, the top guy on the list, uh, was a world-class runner back in the day. And he probably, he was putting in 20 miles a day, you know, for years on end. So, I mean, now, now that he's much older, he doesn't put that kind of mileage in. But his average, his daily average is so high. Um, so there's guys that have ran more miles 
and more average miles. And there are guys that have been running longer, but no one's ever done the exact same miles on the exact same plot of ground. <laughs> I mean, he's never left Miami. For me, that nothing compares to that. I mean, I, you can run longer and farther and faster, but he's legend status. I mean, I read about him in Runner's World. One of the reasons why I started my streak, I'm like Raven. I like to run in the, in the evening if possible. You know, you take a little risk there because a lot can happen a day. You know, you can <laughs> trip and fall or like something comes up and you're super busy. I mean, you know, the day my daughter was born, I made sure to run before I went to the hospital. And then my wife had a 30, 30 hour labor. So had it been too much longer, I might've had trouble the next day. I mean, luckily my daughter was born at two o'clock in the afternoon. And after a few hours of cuddling and hanging out with my wife, I grabbed my running shoes and took off for a quick runner, you know, outside the hospital for 20 minutes. <laughs> so back in, in 2006, Eliza, my daughter, suggested that we go to Miami and run with the Raven. I said, I, I got to meet this crazy guy and I got to go on that beach and run with him. So that's what we did. But uh, it's all about really the discipline of, uh, of running, you know, of doing something consistently every day. It's about commitment. It's kind of a, a happy spot for me. You know, once a day I run, you know, with my dogs, uh, something to look forward to. Um, it's also the discipline of what you do today has consequences tomorrow. So you better not get hurt and you better not be hung over and, uh, you better not get sick because you're going to have to get that run in. And, and everybody's got funny stories about, you know, getting a run in. So I'm in my coat and tie. I think I'm at, uh, Teterboro, uh, the airport. I'm in a coat and tie. I've got leather shoes on and I go, Oh man. It's 11 o'clock and I haven't got at night and I haven't gotten my run in. You know, what am I going to do? I, I, I just push the door open of the, of the gate and I go out on the tarmac and I'm in my coat and tie and my leather shoes and I'm running on the tarmac up to the runway. I'm, you know, I'm looking at my watch because I don't know how far it is, but I know what the time that I need to get in. And all of a sudden this police car comes right behind me and it starts flashing the lights and honking the horn. Guy comes alongside me and goes, what the heck are you doing? You know, it's illegal to be out here. And I said, I just got to get this run in before 12 o'clock or I ruined my streak. And he said, what do you mean? I said, I run every day and I have to get this in. Police officer just starts laughing. He said, I will escort you. How far are you going to go? I got a police escort, you know, at an airport on the tarmac to get my mile in. And then, as it, then when I got it done, I thanked him. He said, don't ever do that again. The, the tough thing is if you travel internationally, Vincent, um, you know, the time changes. And you got to get that run in within 24 hours. We're, we have a cruise on E.F. Hutton's old sailboat. We're in the Caribbean. It about killed me because uh, I thought the cruise, they, they were, we were going to, you know, dock every day so I could get my run in. But I find out that we're going to be at sea for three days in this big, huge sailboat. Man, it's like, what on earth am I going to do? You can't just run in your you know, your bedroom. Bedroom's so small. So I, I, I stepped off how far it was around the deck. I had to go around it 150 times. The first morning I got up early, you know, right when the sun was coming up, and started running around the deck. Nobody was out, and this ship hit a wave, and it flipped me over the side. And I'm, I got one hand hanging onto the rail, and my feet are in the water, I pull myself back up and I finish the run. It's interesting to hear their perspectives and stories. 
I've been on a mini streak of my own. When I started, part of it was I just wanted to get back into running. I knew it was good for me, but there was a part of me that also felt that I need to do it in order to be worthy to tell this story, which has worked out because now I can relate to forcing myself to set aside the hours and the day to run, even when I feel like I don't have the time or the motivation. Just recently, driving to Miami to see Raven at 10.30 p.m., it hit me. I hadn't run yet, so I pulled over to rest area in pouring rain, and I got my run in. And I can understand that while the Raven is number six on the list, these other streak runners look at him as a legend. The lyrics we recorded with the Raven about never giving up, they keep coming back to me. It's an easy thing to do. Throw in the towel and say you're through. Put your head down, then walk away. Only a fighter will stay strong. Facing everything that comes along Rather than put it off for another day When you think you're done and you've had enough Never give up when you want to quit And times are up Never give up, never give up, never give in Even though you don't always win Never give up. As the years went by, Raven's mom's health would start to be a concern. Her leg was infected. It was all red. And if I didn't call it rescue, a few hours she'd been gone. I saved her. You know, I looked at her leg. It was bright red. She got it infected. Scratched it or something. Got infected. And, uh, so she gets back and she's she's managing the building. And in February, I guess that weakened her. She had a heart attack. I find her. I find and she calls me like eight thirty in the morning. And I'm you know sleeping. I can't breathe. Like my heart, you know, like on my chest. I can't breathe. And I go over there. She's sitting there. And then they they took her, got her out of the hospital pretty quick. And they got her. To, she was in a nursing home for three months, and she was still with it pretty well. Her mind was pretty good. And then she came back. This was uh, still 05. And, and she was, they moved her from upstairs. She, yeah, the manager made me give the keys back. She couldn't run the building. So I gave the keys back. And the guy, after, from 1965 to 05, 40 years in the same apartment, he, he says, oh, I'm going to do her a favor and I'm going to move her to another apartment, smaller apartment downstairs, but she can't walk. Well, he doubles her rent and, and moves her to a smaller apartment. So then she's not running the building anymore, and she's in this apartment by herself, same building, close by, half a mile. I'm going to visit her every day, some, most of the time twice a day, before the run and after the run. I'd ride my bike over, and real, I realized she... She's getting some grocery deliveries, but it's not enough. I got to get groceries. She really, she's trying to make it to cook. You know, she's on a walker. She's in a wheelchair. And I'm, and I'm trying, I never, never, ever thought I'd be cooking for her after all these years of her cooking for me. So that was the end of her ever cooking for me again. So I'm buying her things she likes. But she got out of that nursing home. They, they tell me she's diabetic. They're taking her blood. She's, I never was diabetic. Just getting from the wheelchair to the bathroom 
or just change, getting from the bed to the wheelchair, she fell 11 times. And I'd, have to, I'd pick her up and get her into bed or the wheelchair. The last time, it was December of 06. She, this time she fell and she was in extreme pain, sort of like in between the bathroom and the hallway. And I tried to pick her up and she was screaming. So broke her hip, got the rescue. They took her to a um, nursing facility. They had operated on her hip. I thought maybe she would be able to do the rehab, could do the rehab, couldn't even stand up. I got her home in March of 07. The Alzheimer's was setting in. And then I go back at night I didn't have the cable TV then, so that's the only TV I'd watch. So it gave me a reason to go over there to watch the games and hang out with her. By this time, really couldn't have much of a conversation with her. She knew, you know, who I was at this point. We'd always ask for miracles, dog. And then she started losing, like, you know, who, who I was. This is the classic, though. I come in there. She had a little toy, a little um, teddy bear. She named Adam, and every day I go says, you know, what's his name? Says Sinbad, Sinbad, or Jack, or, or or George. You know, she starts, and then finally Adam would come to her. One day I go in there, and I said to her, um, "Who am I?" He looks at me like, "You're the man who feeds me," and I say, uh, "Yeah." What about your son? I said, "Oh, I haven't seen him in years. He's no good." A few minutes later, who am I? Yeah, you're my son. It's pretty pretty wild. And her name was Mary. So I, I'd say, who are you? She's uh, Mary. What do you think? Mary, of course. One of the runners, his nickname was um, Slow Hand Luke. He was he was studying to be a doctor. He is a doctor. He's got, he's got to be a doctor now. He's over 50 years old. I think if he's not a doctor by now, he may never be. But he always told me he was studying. Anyway, he comes over and he says to me, I'd love to take your, I'd love to check on your mom and, and you know, bring the stethoscope and the blood pressure. So he puts the blood pressure on her She's like oblivious, you know, sort of. And he looks at me and says, this lady's going to live forever, Raven. She's perfect blood pressure. And I guess you might have if it wasn't for this, you know, they when they get to that point, they actually forget how to eat, you know, forget how to swallow. And that's about what happened. And you could get the tubes in them, but that's not, you know, that's it's existing. It's not living. I think on the death certificate, complications of old age, it said, which I guess that's about what it was. As I get older and lose more friends, this is, I've been thinking about this lately, and I've been writing a lot of songs about this too, that uh, I, I wrote one called The Other Side recently about all my friends, my mom, Waylon Jennings, you know, my best friend, Richard Phillips, they're on the other side. So it's not as scary thinking when the time comes, I'm gonna be seeing them again. And I said, the music's gonna be better, my friends are gonna be there, and, uh, so this goes through my mind. I'm gonna see my mama and my best friend Rick. Everybody's gonna be young. No one's gonna be sick. I'm gonna hear wailing and Johnny sing again at the end of the rainbow and up around the bend. I do believe I'll see the other side When I cross that river Deep and wide On the other side Where the grass is greener The air is cleaner 
and the sky's always blue. I'm not afraid to go, cause I know someday I'll be with you on the other side. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. They did an article on me in 1982, the neighbor's section of the Herald. When I cracked my head open at the concussion, they did another one in 1986 about not missing a day for 11 years. And the first time I really noticed the press made a difference was um, this show called The 730 Show, which later became Deco Drive, which they have here. I hadn't been interviewed you know, by cameras. And I remember them with the cameras in my face at the lifeguard stand. And I was, I was shaking a little bit. Maybe the, the woman noticed it. She says, all you got to do is tell your story. Only you know your story. It's easy. Just tell your story. And that's what it was. That was the first time. And then everybody saw the TV show, then articles. I say, everybody say, hey, I saw you on TV. I saw you on TV. So I, I realized the visual is more than the written. It makes it more of a difference. So seeing, seeing someone on TV. Now that he has the confidence to tell his own story and understands the power of television, he was ready when ESPN gave him a call. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's big time. ESPN is about as big as it gets. And they call me and they say, uh, you know, uh, you're getting close to 100,000. You want to have us film the 100,000, come down? And, and I said, of course, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go along with that. I had the date already. I had to run extra miles to get it on. March 29th, it was, it was heading towards April, April 5th. You know, I don't like the number four and April is the fourth month. And I was putting on extra miles to get it to March 29th, which was a Sunday of all days, which is the, the best day to, for the ESPN and for getting crowds, perfect timing. So that was, it, that ended up perfect. At the two mile mark, which was at third street, right? Even with my house, I mean, you couldn't, couldn't ask for better. March 29th, 2009, 100,000 miles. They're all out on this day, March 29th, as Raven sits two miles away from 100,000. More than 200 Raven runs, representing three decades of his run, join the Raven as he nears his goal at last. 99,000. Nine, 
Yeah, I thought when I was on ESPN, people were going to hear me and want to hear my songs. And I had enough, uh, plenty of songs out there. I thought they're going to call me. And with 97 million people seeing that interview, I'm going to get, uh, they're going to be banging on my door. I even got to sing The Road Is Long in, the, in that little video clip, clip there. You know, just a, like a line. The road is long and it is winding. Ties are tight and they are binding. Now I'm gone and it's reminding me that the road is long. Like the songs he has written, his story, the reason he runs, is a mixture of sad words and sweet music. And I thought maybe, uh, you know, in my, back in my mind, this could be a big break. And uh, it, nothing happened. What would be your dream if you could paint whatever you wanted right now with music, like how it would end up? Like, what would you want to happen? Well, we'll start from the top. Number one song, you know, million dollars, you know, of course. Not that not, the money doesn't matter that much anymore, you know, because I wouldn't even have the time to spend it, to be honest. But I'd love to see my name on the billboard charts. Of course, you always want number one. And uh, then I'd like to be able to... Uh, open up the catalog and have people just like, oh man, I want that song, I need this song. You gotta record this one. And all of a sudden I get more, more uh, than I could ever dream of, more people interested in the songs will be out and have, have a song out there that becomes like a standard. Everybody will hear it for generations, for hundreds of years, forever. That'd be, that'd be really quite a legacy to leave. Let me ask you though, I mean, you say that about the legacy, but like, would you say that you've already created a legacy? I did. I, I created a legacy of uh, with the exercise, the running, the uh, inspiring people. So I, I got something behind me. I got, I got some good things I'm leaving, I'd leave behind. And those are the things that count, the things you leave behind for others. So I have created a, quite a positive legacy, but I'm, I'm, this legacy would be uh, the creative music uh, side to it that... Um, People, a lot of people don't even know. Some people say to the runners, how's Raven make a living? Well, they say, you know, he's had these jobs, but he does write songs, but has he made a living doing that? No, not really. And I'd like to, I'd like to be able to say that. And I wish he could say that too. As a storyteller, I feel my job is to tell an accurate and engaging story that'll help audiences understand the character or ideas I'm discussing. With the Raven, I feel myself rooting for him. I know the songs he's written could be hits. It was just about getting it to the right person at the right time. The positive is all the people you, you inspire and all the friends you make, the good, the real true friends that really care, that understand what you're doing. That's the positive. And that's, that's the mission and that's what keeps me going. You know, I know it's gonna be over real soon, so I'm trying to get as much in as I can. I'm, thinking at 70 years old, what do you got? Like 90% of your life is gone, maybe. Or, you know, 80, maybe 99%. So it's, you know, this is it. This is the, this is the, the sprinting to the end, and, but I'm still running, so that's a good thing. I'm still writing songs. I, I don't want to dwell on it. I just want to live each day and, and do the run, and do what I love to do, and, you know, know my bill, I can pay my bills and have a, have a place and have food and, you know, all 
and write songs and, and uh, still inspire people as long as I can and leave my legacy. I don't know why I'm leaving, but I'm leaving anyway. There's never been a reason, a reason for me to stay. My urge for going can't ever be satisfied. A thirst for adventure to see the other side. I follow the highway around the curves and bends. There's always another town on a road that never Dusty boots keep wandering to far off places unknown. No maps or compass, just the freedom of being alone. Someday I may come back, but I really can't say when. Meanwhile, I must travel on a road that never ends. I follow the highway. Around the curves and bends There's always another town On a road that never ends On a road that never ends There's so many sights to see And the feeling of being free Where the hurting always mends I only answer to me And I can be who I want to be On a road that never ends I follow the highway around the curves and bends. There's always another town on a road that never ends. On a road that never ends. Raven is a production of Imperative Entertainment and Life is My Movie Entertainment. Hosted by me, Vincent Vittorio. Executive produced by Jason Hoke. Claudio Zungri, Vincent Vittorio, and Laura Caulfield. Original music, Louis Harrell. Original songs, Robert Rabin Craft. Audio mixing by Richard Spooner. Story editors, Vincent Vittorio, Eric Ricks, Teen Ow, Carolyn Harvey, Jessica Vittorio, and Jeremy Marr. Original photography, Mary Beth Kaith. Cinematography and editing, Ashton McCammon, and Marley Mullis. A very special thanks to Raven and the entire running community. If you want to run with Raven, you can find him every day on Miami Beach's 5th Street Lifeguard Stand, 5.30 Daylight Savings Time, and 4.30 Regular Time. In addition to the podcast, we created some bonus video content. Find it on our YouTube channel at Life Is My Movie. If you like this show, please tell your friends and leave us a review. Thank you so much for listening.